The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown. To zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast and radio show. Today, we're speaking with Dave Hill from PowerNot, and he has a a wonderful invention, uh, a machine that's working really well to reduce food waste. So, Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Morning, Laura. Thanks for having me. So, tell us what PowerNot is and uh, the machine that's been developed. So, first of all, I, I didn't develop it, so I don't want to take credit for that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not that intelligent. So, uh, <laughs> there's a lot more clever people than me that put this together. So, to explain the Paranaut Digester, the LFC, simply, it really is like a stainless steel human stomach. So, if you imagine anything that can go into your body, that you eat, that you process, can go into the digester as well. And really, we take what a process that would normally take, you know, six to eight weeks to, you know, transfer food. We turn that process into an average six to eight hours that we uh, turn food waste into uh, nutrient-rich grey water. Wow. So that's the basics of the machine in a very simplistic uh, explanation. Mm-hmm. And so this is going to cut back on a lot of space that people would need and a lot of transportation that people would need to send their food elsewhere. So you're cutting down on emissions, I would assume, as well, if you don't have to transport those green bins away uh, to a, a high heat compost facility. Uh, so it seems like it would be very good for a lot of a lot of companies. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and what I mean, the best way to explain it is you can treat it at source. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a kitchen or a galley, as you're literally cutting, chopping your food, prepping your food, or you have waste food coming back from dishes, you can instantly put that, have the machine in your kitchen. You know, there's zero smell from the machine, zero odor. Open the door, just a little hatch, throw your food in and really just forget about it. So, you know, for galleys and restaurants, it's huge for them because they can you know, treat everything at source. Like you say, there's no more transportation costs anymore. There's no more pickups. There's no more, you know, smelly bins and back alleys that are, you know, attracting rodents and flies and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, everything's treated at source, which and all around is better for the environment, as you as you say. That's that's wonderful. And I think back to when I waitressed at a restaurant, it seems like a very long time ago, and I wonder how could that restaurant get rid of their food scraps in an ethical way. And I thought, you know, if they ever got some of the flies into their restaurant from the the green bin, you know, sitting outside and the door open or whatever, and there were flies in the restaurant, that would really, really, really hurt their business. Like if people were eating in a nice restaurant that had some flies in it, like that would be some really bad news. So I'm always thinking, like, how do you get rid of it so quickly? Like you would have to have a daily pickup or something. But this this sort of solves that problem. So tell us how it doesn't smell. What our process is, is aerobic digestion. Mm -hmm. So aerobic digestion is in the presence of oxygen. So basically the the machine, you know, takes the blend of enzymes that we've created, the power chips, and we add oxygen into the machine. It occurs naturally when we open the hatch, you know, when you physically open the door, 
oxygen is entered and we also have a small basically oxygen pump i mean it doesn't we don't create oxygen but we take oxygen from the atmosphere and then it goes into the machine all the time when it's running so all these processes add together basically speed up the uh, aerobic digestion massively so you know within six to eight hours usually the bulk of food is gone i mean the machines run best on a varied diet which is very easy for most places, you know, because they have a varied menu. So mm-hmm. the varied diet is uh, how the machines run at their best. So, uh, like I say, it's all these things come together. And then basically at the end of the process, you know, it creates a grey water. So um, that's in a nutshell how it works. Mm-hmm. And, and our machines, you know, the main thing, they do rotate the food. So the paddles rotate the food and they run, you know, for 15, 20 minutes. They can vary the direction forward and backwards. We can change the time depending on the type of food. If it takes a little bit more time to you know, process, we can vary the amount of water that's injected into the machine. Because, you know, the food waste in general, it's about 80% water in the food. Mm-hmm. So depending what type of food, we do get some machines in specific you know, plants, you know, um, processing facilities. You know, we have them in cheese factories. We have them in, you know, just chicken, you know, restaurants. So they have a more direct diet so we can fine tune the machine slightly if needs be we work with a lot of island communities and a lot of areas like that we've we're machines in the maldives we're machines in the great barrier reef we're doing quite a few of the cruise ships private islands so they take guests to private islands and then they have facilities ashore so we're fitting machines all over um, their private islands and then we're doing some remote fishing lodges as well um, in bc just off Vancouver Island, we have some machines fitted there. Uh, they've been running for a couple of years now. So the, the ILNG, of course, we, we can help there a lot with uh, with their food waste because, yeah, it's difficult for them to process it. So, yeah. That's great because I was in Grand Cayman and I, I talked about this a little bit before, but uh, the dump is now the highest part of the island and you can see it from pretty much everywhere on the island. So the trash just... Yeah has piled up so high and uh, they have some really nice reefs around the island and I'm I would assume that it's you know leachate is going into those reefs so I don't know how long the reefs will be able to stand that and uh, just walking around the port authority there like everyone's still serving stuff in plastic cups and single use this and that you can see this giant problem literally looming over you every single day and yet people still are consuming all this this trash and adding to it every day right it's it's crazy yeah that's pretty shocking to hear it's the highest point in the island that's uh, yeah grand cayman yeah it's, uh, yeah i'm really surprised to hear that yeah it's not great news is it so yeah we're we're helping islands as much as we can and that's uh, somewhere we're really really happy to be involved with as well oh that's really good so if i remember correctly from my days at sea gray water we can pump out into the ocean right that was never really my job, but I think that's how it works. Like black water, there's a lot of regulations. It has to be disposed of properly. Is that right? That you can still put gray water into the the ocean? Yeah. Basically, all your marine regulations are governed under MARPOL. So you're correct in saying that under MARPOL, gray water regulations are pretty loose. So there's really not any specific regulations under MARPOL for gray water. What you do have is when you go into different areas, different special areas, um, off the top of my head, areas like Alaska, the Great Lakes, um, maybe some inland waterways in Europe, areas like special areas that they've designated themselves, 
there is much stricter requirements for grey water. But you're right in saying, in general, there's very little regulation for grey water worldwide. So, yeah, cruise ships, marine ships, uh, yachts, tankers, container ships, the grey water is not really regulated. So if you're listening and wondering what we're talking about, so I guess a simplified way of saying it is the black water is like sewage on a ship. And so it has to be taken care of properly. And then the gray water is more just like the wastewater. So like if you wash your hands and then the water goes down, uh, it's usually not nothing like too bad. Yeah, Marport governs, you know, the six annexes to it. They govern all the marine kind of regulations for waste. So the mm-hmm. two that are most specific for this, you know, Annex 4 covers sewage in general, and Annex 5 of Marple covers garbage, Annex 6 covers air pollution. So Marple is a governing body worldwide for, you know, merchant vessels to comply with. I saw on your website that there are some very big names that are using your product, which is amazing. Are you able to just sort of speak to some of those those names of, uh, of you know, people that we would recognize, companies that we would recognize? Um, JW Marriott, Grand Hyatt, Fairmont, uh, all these kind of hotels, Sheraton. Well, I could go on and on, Hard Rock Casinos, Hard Rock uh, Stadiums in Florida. Uh, Legoland, uh, there's lots and lots of places. We're just expanding massively. Cruise ships has been a huge thing for us last year. We now work with nine of the largest cruise companies in the world that uh, have our machines on board. So that's been a huge expansion for us over the last kind of 12 months. It's been really exciting. Uh, last week, we just started working with a few very large, you know, the, the all the billionaires' yachts. So we just sold two machines into that industry last week. So that's another, you know, having you were going down and I'm I'm really excited to get into that as well because uh, I worked in private yachts for a couple of years. I know the issues they have with food waste as well. It's very difficult for them. Big private yachts out anchor a lot of the time, you know, that piles up on board. So giving them a solution is great. And, you know, we're just seeing growth everywhere we have. We're starting now to go into, you know, more remote camps. And then this year I've been contacted by some heli skiing lodges. Nice. And you really don't realize, I mean, I don't realize the problems they have because they have to actually helicopter their waste in and out. Wow. Or every, you know, two days they're actually physically taking a helicopter to bring the waste in and out. It's, it's, It's crazy, you know. So it's been really exciting working with them. And, you know, they can't, they can't do anything like composting because a lot of these places, there's a lot of wildlife that would attract bears. And so they need a solution to treat on site. So that's been, you know, really exciting for us as well. So that's the kind of really anywhere where you have food, we can treat it, you know. And that's the beauty of the machines is they literally start, you know, as small as a household dishwasher. And then we have our LFC 1000, which is probably the size of a small car um, a little bit taller and then we've just we've seen such demand for the LFC 1000 that we're now developing an LFC 2000 so basically it denotes that it can process a nominal capacity around that would be 2000 kilos of food waste in a day so two tons oh my so, gosh yeah so we're we're just constantly just more and more demand which is great and just building bigger and bigger machines and Having the full spectrum, you know, being able to go from a very small dishwasher size, it can fit pretty much anywhere, all the way up to these large commercial machines, you know, that we're seeing putting into 
maybe for example airports that you know have mm. a pretty horrendous amount of food waste to be honest it's uh it's, it's quite shocking you know the amount of waste that's generated so we're, we're really happy to be able to offer these kind of people a solution you know and then what do you do with the gray water when like let's say an airport puts one in and then do they just put the gray water down the drain or the gray water really if you think it's similar i mean it's what that comes out of your kitchen sinks, what comes out of your dishwasher, all these, you know, the floor drains. And we just tie into that same kind of drain. And it basically, it's a nutrient-rich grey water. You know, the first machine I ever installed, it, it, it blew me away when I saw what was coming out. I, I was, you know, you physically seeing it is, is something else. You know, you don't, uh, you know, you can watch videos and you can go on YouTube and all that kind of stuff. But until you physically see it and then you take a sample and you're like, holy smokes, this is, <laughs> you know, this, this is really exciting, you know. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, so it can be used. You know, that's basically where it plums into most of the time. We do see some facilities starting to use it back into their gardens. So that um, that's the that's really the end goal there because then you I love that idea and it's also into vegetable gardens, so they're really returning the whole cycle. You know, it's kind of closing the loop. So you're taking water, you know, putting it into food waste, digesting it, then what comes out gets refed back into plants to help them grow, and it just completely closes that cycle up. So that's kind of what we do with the water that comes out of it. So it's uh, yeah, it's been that's a uh, kind of general overview yeah it would kind of be organic which is good which a lot of people like and if you're putting like let's say fish bones and uh like some meat in there and then some veggies and stuff then you'd get that like the i think it's the phosphorus right that's the middle number in fertilizers so you'd be getting like you know the blood and bone meal that a lot of people get yeah exactly and we can handle i mean the machines you can't handle large bones i mean we're still digging up dinosaur bones, you know, so <laughs> they've been around for a while. So, but fish bones, chicken bones, all that type of thing, no problem at all. I mean, obviously people don't eat that, but the machines have no problem processing that. It takes a little bit longer. You know, that might be on the higher end of a 24-hour process to digest all them. But we have machines in fish processing plants that that's all they're fed is fish. And they churn away 24-7 with no problem. So it's... It, it's really quite amazing. That's awesome because I saw that video actually on your website, uh, powernot.ca. You can you can see uh, kind of the process and I have some organic fish waste as well. So usually we just use horse manure because it's package free, but I do have a little bit of uh, fish waste just for my indoor plants, like for herbs and stuff. Uh, so I don't have to bring horse manure into my house. I guess they both smell just as bad, but, um, but it's a wonderful, wonderful... I would love it. What's that? Your neighbors probably wouldn't love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, uh, it smells kind of funny, but it's uh, it's really a sought after fertilizer. And then also, I just was thinking, well, you're saying like these northern camps that you have to helicopter into. You're right. If you have this compost for like fish, you're gonna be attracting bears. And we always said um, a fed bear is a dead bear because once they learn that there's a food source, they're not just going to go away. They're just going to keep coming back. And so you're probably saving lives of like some some wildlife as well, right? By not having to have those compost piles and attracting all of those things. Yeah, I'd never really, it's a nice way of thinking about it. Actually, I'd never really thought of that. But yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. You know, you kind of think of just the bears, you know, attacking people but yeah it's the other way around if they keep you know like you say if they keep returning to the same area then yeah they're gonna end up you know having to get yeah 
you know, yeah. taken care of. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's another, another positive for us, you know. You're you're in British Columbia, aren't you? Is that where you're? Where yes. You yes. Yeah, yeah. When I lived there, I had a bear uh, break into my vehicle because I had some laundry soap and some cereal in there. So it broke in. There was fur all over the broken window. And then uh, the same week, it broke into our house. So it came right in and uh, just took our kitchen and tore it apart and ate all the food and turned on the water and opened the freezer and everything. So yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty big deal. So I'm fairly aware of of um, bears trying to get human food and uh, you know the unfortunate consequences of of what happens to that so it's yeah it's really neat to think about these remote places taking care of their food waste kind of properly and responsibly and then I did I think I saw on your website something about how putting these machines on ships will help reduce their plastic and I'm not sure how that would work but when I was in the navy I saw the the chefs and they would dump buckets of food waste just right off the back of the ship because you're allowed to do that. It's just, you know, eggshells, broccoli stems, things like that. However, there were plastic little twist ties. There were rubber bands. Like one time I saw a yogurt container go overboard. And um, is is that why it cuts back on plastic waste? Just because cooks are no longer dumping the food waste directly into the ocean? Yeah, so what normally happens if you take a large um, standard commercial cruise ship is they have transportation systems to bring the food waste throughout the vessel to one central area. Mm-hmm. So that can be done normally through vacuum or it can be done through a process where they pump the kind of food waste slurry throughout the ship oh. and you feed it you know, all the time, but it basically runs through a small grinder and culminates the food waste. So the problem with that is, like you say, you know, it's a fast-paced environment. There's a lot of people. And once you're pushing the food waste down into these grinders and into these vacuum transfer systems, it's it's very difficult to, once they're in there, if you get if there's any plastic that's in there by mistake, it's, it's almost impossible to get it out as such or very difficult. So what the digesters do is they have a 0.8, 0.8 millimeter stainless steel grid in the bottom of the machine. So, you know, your microplastics are considered five mil and under. So basically with the 0.8 mil grid in the bottom of these machines, even if plastic goes in by accident and, you know, it's not done deliberately, you know, no. this is a human error. It's, it's life, you know, everyone makes mistakes, you know, and no matter how hard you try, there's always going to be little, you know, small things that get through. It's, it's the same if you're, whatever waste process you, you do at home, there's going to be, now and again, there's going to be small slip-ups and, you know, how you, you know, handle everything. So on the cruise ships with the digesters fitted, that grid on the bottom, the stainless steel grid ensures that nothing can come out of the machine. So that's a, a huge benefit for them because even if they do have, you know, they have very, very strict guidelines now. There's much more focus on this over the last couple of years. There's a huge amount of effort to stop plastic going into the oceans and also, you know, to get away from a lot of disposable plastic on cruise ships. So, I mean, there's a huge drive for it. It's, it's massive. So with these machines installed as well, it really means even if there is a small slip up, you know, if somebody drops, like you say, a small buttercup or a straw and um, things like this, that they will just stay in the digester and they won't be digested. They won't be eaten and it's impossible for them to leave the machine. So once a week, you literally stop the machine and then just pick out any kind of foreign objects that shouldn't be there. And it's, and it, 
the thing about it as well is it educates people a bit. You know, I've been on a lot of the ships, you know, doing follow-up visits, checking the machines, and they really see over a time, you know, the supervisor for areas, you know, if, if you see one machine with more and more plastic in it, you know, the supervisors can say, you know, hey, guys, you know, mm. we need to be doing our segregation a bit better. We need to be checking things up. And then, you know, at the end of the day, it's still, even if there is slip-ups, it stops any plastic going into the sea. So that's one of the huge benefits of it because, you know, we have to be doing something to stop all the plastic that's going into the ocean because it's it's a huge problem. These machines really help with that. So that's something we're, we're really proud of that, you know, we can make a bit of a difference. That's amazing. Were you mentioning that you are working with cannabis waste as well? Because if if I will give you a warning, if you're listening from other countries, uh, it is legal now in Canada to grow cannabis, and it's a, a big um, it's a big supplier of uh, like health products for Canadians. So um, can you tell me a little bit about the cannabis industry waste? Yeah, sure. So we've been working on a cannabis machine for handling waste for just come up to a year now. Uh, we, we had to do a ton of R&D because it's, the hemp material is very, very fibrous. It's it, it's, a, it's a kind of fascinating plant, how tough it is, how strong it is, and to process the waste is it's, it's difficult. So Health Canada has very strict requirements to what has to be you know regulated and non-regulated cannabis waste. Mm-hmm. So the regulated cannabis waste under Health Canada means that it has to be destroyed so that it cannot have any further use. Um, I'm not going to get into the politics of, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the leaves, there is nothing in them, nobody will be able to do anything with them, but they still under Health Canada have to be regulated and destroyed. So, Does that mean you, med- you can't just put them in a compost pile outside of the facility? No, they have to be destroyed before that. So they, wow. they can they can do some types of traditional composting, but a lot of the places we've been working with, the traditional style composting, they have to shred it first to make it into very small sizes. So you have to use a shredder. The shredders gum up, they jam up all the time. They're oh, very, bet. very labor intensive. Yeah. Then once you put it into a shredder, they have to put it into, say, drums. They then fill the drums with vinegar and start to mix all that up. Then they leave them to sit for two weeks and then they have to hike these huge big drums out into the middle of the field and dump all the you know, waste out of there. So it's really, that's not a great method. It's very time consuming and it causes a lot of problems. It's just a headache. Then you have other methods prescribed, uh, which are really bad, is to mix it with kitty litter that you use for your cats. What? Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's... You can read it online. It's what the government have said <laughs> is the best way to go. And you mix it all with kitty litter so that people can obviously use it. And then you dump it in the landfill. Okay. So that's, that's, it just doesn't work. You know, you, I mean, you're buying, you know, hundreds of kilos of kitty litter to make <laughs> perfectly good organic waste. And then you have to truck it out and dump it in a landfill. So, we, um, yeah, like I say, we've been working for up to a year now. We finally kind of perfected the uh, machine. It's running really well. We've got a couple of machines operating in British Columbia that we're, we're really excited about. Yeah, it's been a real success story for us. And, and, and the guys love it because they, there's no time involved. So they literally just open the hatch and they just throw the, the leaves, some of the small stems in, and it just takes care of all their waste. And... We're again looking to close a loop in that whole cycle. So the next facility we're fitting a machine in, 
we're going to be looking at returning the effluent through a basic sand filter just to take out any loose sediment and return that water back into the crop. Wow. So you would just be taking all your cannabis waste, adding some water and enzymes, exiting the machine, and then it would run through a very basic filter and then go back into the crop. So that's the end goal. That's where we want to get to um, because then you literally have a complete closed-loop system that um, is just – and you're returning your water back into the crop because uh, that that's where we want to get to. That's where we're going to get to, and I'm, I'm really excited about that as well to be able to help that industry. So, it's uh, yeah, it's just another great expansion for us. And it's almost every month we get into another – avenue or we look into more research in other areas and it, it just keeps going and going and going there's a lot of stuff i can't even really talk about due to ndas and stuff we're working with a lot of other companies and yeah it's, it's just been a great time for us even during the last couple of months with this you know the covid stuff that's going on in the world we're still seeing huge demand for the product um, and it's just we've got a big backlog of machines we've got to build but you know that's all that's it's a good problem to have you know are you public uh, no, no, we're a private company. Yeah. Well, I just want to say one thing before I ask my next question, because I'm just thinking about the cannabis industry and like how much plastic they use. So if a company has your machine and is doing that, returning the nutrients back to the soil and doing the closed loop, and they had returnable containers, like where you just send in your containers back, whether that, those be plastic containers uh, with the dried product in it, or uh, they have all different sorts of containers for oils and that sort of thing. So if those products were going back and being sanitized and then uh, reused, then it would be amazing because I'm kind of worried about all the plastic uh, that's being used in that industry as well. But I think there's just so many other problems that the cannabis industry is dealing with, like with legal issues. And it's been tough, I think, with a lot of uh, health regulations and stuff. Um, so maybe that'll be a project for one of the companies, you know, later on when they get everything figured out. But uh, I think that would be nice to see. And how did you get into sustainability? So you said your background was on ships. Was this like, were you interested in the ocean and got interested in, you know, waste going into the ocean that way? Or like, how did you become a sustainable business person? Basically, you know, I worked in cruise ships for a long time. Uh, I worked a small amount of time in the private yacht industry as well. And then around two or three years ago, I get contacted by a kind of old friend of mine and asked me to basically look into a lot of research for engineering systems and new products and, you know, new technology to help cruise ships. So I, I was 50-50, you know, I enjoyed sailing, I enjoyed being on ships, but uh, I, you know, I was looking, I'm always looking for a new challenge. So I always enjoy getting, you know, pushed and looking into new technology, something that's very interesting. So I took the job and I spent almost two years just researching new technology, new systems, and it was fascinating. The more and more I got into it, the more and more I enjoyed the, you know, the positive aspect of what we were doing. And it, it was, that's basically how I got into it. And then I met, you know, Ian, who was the founder and uh, president of Paranaut. And, you know, we got along well and I just fell in love with the product. Um, as a lot of people do and it's just, it's been great you know we're just growing and growing and you know you feel you're doing good you know and and that's that's a really nice thing to have in a job that you feel that you are making a difference so uh, that's mm -hmm. that's basically how i got involved with paranormal and how i got involved with the environment a bit more and trying to do 
try to just do little bits to help here and there, even at home. You know, we, we try and do small things, you know, just to make a difference, you know. That's awesome. Has anyone ever bought one of the smaller machines that are the size of a dishwasher for their own homes? We have a very small machine that um, you could put into your home, um, but it's really not cost effective. It's, you know, there's yeah. a lot of technology involved in these machines, you know, the, the cloud drive, you know, you can monitor the machine 24-7 from anywhere in the world, from your phone, your tablet, your laptop. Uh, you wow. can see exactly everything that's happening. You can see all the graphs, the trends, how much CO2 you're diverting from the landfills. So there, there, there's a ton of technology involved. So for the average household, it's really not cost effective to fit one of these machines. You know, they're not ridiculously expensive, but people are, you know, for a small house, it's, it's not really something that would be you know, too suitable. We are looking to put into production one of our really small machines again. And, you know, that is something that we're looking, bringing that back into production, especially for the smaller yachts. So we've had a lot of interest from kind of small to medium-sized yachts mm-hmm. with maybe about 10, 10 people on board. So a really small machine there would would work great for them. And, you know. Awesome. I don't think that a household would produce enough. Exactly. Yeah. To, yeah and and then the stuff you can do at home you know your home compost and stuff you know the home recycling we can you know we 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 can do stuff fairly easily at home we have options with having you know the canadian average for a household is 0.4 kilograms of food waste a day so that's the average for a canadian household so that's a kind of easy to compost at home if you if you want to go that route Mm -hmm. yeah it takes us a while to fill up a bucket and we're completely all about like fresh food and fruits and veggies so i think we eat a lot and uh but we also have chickens and a dog so they get a lot of the scraps too so um not even a whole lot makes it into the compost it sounds like the businesses that buy the machines are having like a very quick roi so a return on investment and uh sometimes within a few months i think i read some companies you know we, we contact them they're paying you know three four thousand dollars a month wow to get rid of their food waste depending on where they are wow so you know we on average i would say 12 to 18 months is your roi um, on a machine it's uh not just the roi the real i mean you're doing a lot doing so much better for the environment but it's also, it takes away any kind of manual handling. It takes carrying stuff into back alleys late at night, you know, and the whole, you know, even the local town where I live, you know, in the summer, the, the small compost bins that sit in back alleys, I mean, they just think, you know, they're, they're, they're disgusting. And, they're you know, they're only getting picked up every two weeks. They're attracting rats, things like this. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. the ROI is, of course, important. You know, everyone's still in business and places and, needs to justify things so yeah the ROI has been great as well it's uh, like I say but I would say most places on average is 12 to 18 months the machine has paid off yeah I think that that's a, a great handle to take is like yeah we can save you money and the environment because sometimes when you approach people to save the environment you know they're just so busy running their companies and maybe they're doing a very good job and you know it's just it's not another thing they can handle because uh, some people have a lot on their plate and they don't want to go out of business um, by spending you know a crazy amount of money on something that that's just going to keep costing the money. But yeah, if you can save the money and have a product that is, you know, really good for the environment, then that's definitely the way to go, I think. So I like that a lot. Yeah. And and, and everywhere we go, you know, I, I love it when I go into places and people have named the digester, you know, 
know, like Derek or something, you know, <laughs> Derek the Dickest or the Gobbler or something, you know. I'm, I'm, you know when people are doing that that they they like the machine. It's, it's uh, you know, it's you know the certain machines you know that people probably have in the kitchen that they are galleys and they just detest them. You know, and they're like, oh no. And certainly in cannabis facilities, the shredders are just a nightmare because they. They usually break down every half hour. They have problems with them. They jam up. You have to clean the teeth on them all the time, strip them down, rebuild them. You know, and you know people hate them. Whereas, you know, we, we walk into that. I can't tell you some of the names that they call them, but <laughs> they give them some names. It's usually some of the bigger people in the buildings, and they say, yeah, because he eats so much, you know. But they're joking about it with stuff. But um, it's it's great, you know, when we hear that, that, you know, that people really love the machine. You know, that's it's always nice to hear. Yeah, that's super amazing. Well, I like this a lot, and I was so happy to discover your company. I think I came across you on Instagram. So, is it just PowerNot on Instagram? I think I think that is. If you- uh, Canada, and we also have the LCD, the Liquid Cannabis Digester. So that's our two Instagram kind of handles. Nice, and then it's PowerNot uh, and that's K N O T. So Power. That's, uh, that's the Canadian website. Then you have the main PowerNot website as well in Silicon Valley, where we're based. So we do all our manufacturing, our R and D assembly is all in silicon valley oh that's great so you know there's a big buy american kind of movement going on right now and over half of our listeners are americans so that's so that's good that kind of ties right into the times of of covid and and you know people trying to help american companies and buying american and and it's the same in every country i think it's good to support local when you can uh we certainly talk about that a lot um yeah exactly yeah we're we've just moved into a new facility just because of the expansion you know so we we keep on growing so we're actually right beside the tesla factory in silicon valley so we've got a new uh, thirty thousand square foot facility there so we have our main r&d center there and then also our all our assembly plant is there as well Uh, so that's uh, i'm down there every month when well when the border reopens, <laughs> yeah. I'm down there every month, you know, and it's, yeah, it's just great. And we, we're constantly evolving, constantly, you know, improving. We, we don't just sit still and just be like, okay, yeah, we built this, you know, we're always like, okay, what's the next thing we can improve? How can we make this better? How can we, you know, I'm building bigger machines and then revisiting, you know, some of the smaller machines that we had built before and seeing if, you know, we're, we're going to put them back into production. So it's, there's constantly changes all the time. So it's, it's really exciting to be part of that. Are you in the Tesla building as well? Do you have a machine in there? Uh, we don't. No, no, that's uh, that's disappointing. Yeah, we should. Maybe one day, because I'm sure they have a cafeteria or something, I guess, right? They'd have to feed their workers. Yeah, oh, yeah there's a lot of people in there. So uh, yeah. maybe need to be on a call. That's very cool. You're in a yeah. You're in a famous uh, famous spot. Awesome. Well, Dave, uh, this is this has been great, and I really love your machine, and I'm so happy to see it in in so many hotels that we know, and uh, even our own Department of National Defense in Canada. They they have the machines, which is very very yeah, good. Yeah, uh, Canadian prison services. We get the Canadian well, military. You know, that's that's been really exciting for us as well. That is very exciting. So hats off to those Canadian government departments for dealing with our food waste responsibly. That's great. And thank you for joining us. That was David Hill from Vernon, BC. He works for the company PowerNot. They're building food waste digesters in Silicon Valley that are helping to solve our worldwide issues with food waste. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. (laughs) 